Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings, our transgressions, those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, we're so grateful for this time that we have, Lord, the fellowship of my sisters in Christ. Lord, I'm praying that this group not fail. I'm asking, Lord, that we get stronger in you and we teach others your word, that we bring others in, Lord. We should be saving people every week. Every week we should have someone new here. But, Lord, I'm asking that with all the distraction that the enemy has to come against us, that it be moved out of the way. Let us work, Lord, and to your, our full potential in you. Give us a real filling of the Holy Ghost that we may do all that you call us to do. Lord, it's only about the will of the Father. It's nothing to do with ourselves. But, Lord, we're only meant to do your work to glorify you. Lord, it's a gift that's from you that we should accept because it's the best deal going on. But we have to convince people. We have to get people's minds, Lord, and hearts open to you. And the only way we're going to do that is through your spirit. So, Lord, I'm asking that you bless every member of this group, Chantel, Martin, Laura, Ryan, Lord, Mikkel, uh, Tracy, Dan, Karen, Eric, Holly, little Eric, Lord, all those, Jake, all those, Lord, that are trying to get stronger in you, Lord, I'm asking that you give them everything they will, for this thing has to continue, and the body of Christ is fivefold. So, Lord, I'm asking that we do your will and let nothing distract us, for you are a holy and righteous God. Lord, I'm even asking here that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of rejection, every spirit of lust, hatred. Lord, all things that have nothing to do with your spirit. Lord, have your Holy Ghost come upon us and your word be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so today's study is going to be... We're going to try and get through all of the book of Ephesians today. It shouldn't be too long. I think we'll go through it pretty quickly. But it's going to be called Our Spiritual War because that's what the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians focuses on. Um, it was so funny how I was asking the Lord how I should present it. I was even thinking about going to someone else's, um, you know, other people's teachings to see what they think of it. And the Lord was like, no, I got, a, I got something for you. So we'll see how it plays out. But he gave me a different understanding. We we're going to try and cover all that today. All right, so it's called Our Spiritual War. We're going to go start in Ephesians 1. I can hurry up and get there. Because with this book, it's kind of different how it... Um, you can cover a lot really quickly. I'll just pass right over it. All right, I'm here. 
right, so we'll begin. Verse 1. Yes, sir. Yep. All right. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Interesting thing here in two, you notice it says uh, the second uh, in the third verse, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So some people would look at that and say, All right, that means Jesus is not God. No, it means that the Father is the God of the Son. You know, but even though it's a father-son relationship, he's still God. You, God is anything in this life that you will obey. If you will obey something to a T, that is your God, hands down. All right, so uh, verse 4, we'll continue. And when it says uh, spiritual blessings in heavenly places, just says in the heavens. When you see the places there, you notice it's like in italics. Kind of like it was added a little bit. You know, I guess they wanted to take away the confusion. But in some ways, it seems like it adds to it. Because then you're like, okay, what places are in heaven? Mm -hmm. So it's just basically blessings in the heavens. You know, uh, four. According as he hath chosen us uh, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame uh, before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Christ, by Jesus Christ, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Two things we're going to try and knock out here because um, when people see that predestinated, you know, they think that that's saying, okay, then we're once saved, always saved. Like Jesus chose us, so we don't have a choice in the matter, and those that he didn't choose, don't get in. But that's not what it's saying at all. So let's go to Second uh, Peter 3 and hold there and go to Second Peter 3, 9. If this is what he's talking about, we'll start in verse 8. You there? Alright, Second Peter 3, verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Uh, one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, uh, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, this goes into how you know many are called, few are chosen. What they're talking about specifically is you know. The fact that God has predestined these things for us. But it's up to you if you want it. It's just like someone, a parent telling their child, when you graduate from high school or college, I'm going to give you this car. Right. Now, that's an agreement. Now, if you don't graduate, I mean, hey, the car is pretty much predestined to be yours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you're told that. But if you choose not to graduate, then the car is not yours. It's that simple. So the Lord has got this. That's why he's not surprised like, okay, well, all right, now you believe in me. Now I'm going to prepare your home. No, your home is prepared. It's up to you to take it. So that's what it means, you know, as far as your inheritance is concerned. Verse, uh, 
can add one little thing. Is that cool? Yeah, that's fine. Like in Titus uh, 1, 3, or 1, chapter 1, verse 2. Uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. That's so right. He promised us the eternal life, but if we don't get eternal life, then, you know, it's not going to stop for others just because we don't accept it. Right. That's exactly right. So that's what they mean concerning predestination. I know people try and turn it into something else, but mm -hmm. that's not the case. Because if he violates your free will, then he's not God. Right. You know, God doesn't violate your free will. Okay, uh, verse 6. Uh, to the praise and the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. See, so it's all about accepting the gift. Uh, 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, uh, which he hath uh, proposed in himself. You know, funny thing about his good pleasure, you know, a lot of people would say, okay, what does he mean by that, the mystery of his will? So from here, because we're going to cover a lot of scripture today, hold where you are, we're going to go to Revelation uh, 1, 117. No, actually, it's not 117. It's uh, Revelation 4, 11. Page is the same thing. Everybody there? Mm -hmm. All right. So from there it says, uh, let's see. Uh, let's start at 10, uh, verse 10. And when those beasts, oh, I mean 10, <laughs> the four and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, now they're talking about Christ, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast uh, their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure <laughs> they, are, they, they are and were created. So, you know, when people want to ask the question about how we got here, or what's our purpose in life, that's the mystery that they're talking about in Ephesians 1. The funny thing is, it's for his good pleasure... That we that that's the only reason that we were created was to glorify Him, mm -hmm. but to do His will, you know, of course, that comes through accepting the the uh, salvation as a gift, you know, getting to know Him, being cleansed with His shed blood, you know, accepting His grace and going forward, mm -hmm. you know, that's the way the Spirit will work with you. So does that make sense yes. here about His good pleasure? Because that kind of adds doing His will. Doesn't that kind of add to the joy he gives exactly. us? Yeah, because we, we think that we're doing God a favor, you know, by doing <laughs> his will. The thing is, is he's allowing you the opportunity to, you know, fellowship with him. Right. To glorify him, to be a part of his body. So it's nothing that you yourself have done. Okay, um, let's see. Where are you, verse 8? Okay. Ten, uh, that in 
the dispensation of fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Um, let's stop right here. I'm looking for one particular thing. Okay, I think we're fine. Twelve, uh, that we should be to the praise of his glory uh, who first trusted in Christ, and whom ye also trusted after, after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after, after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So this tells you right here where, you know, a lot of people think it's based on works. No, all you have to do is believe. It's like the moment you begin to believe, those walls break down, and you start believing what the Lord says. You have thirst for his word. He works with you from there. So all this means is just a vessel yielded to the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, 15, right? 14. 14, okay. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard, of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. Another thing that people get wrong too is the word saints. They think it means like once you're there, you're sinless, but it's really like set apart. You know, so basically a saint is someone, you know, redeemed by the Lord that you're not going to live the way of the sinner. You know, you're his. Even though you're going to be cleaned, you know, you're being cleaned, but you have decided to go the ways of him and not to the world. So that's all saint means is to be set apart. All right? Uh, let's see. Uh, 16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, uh, revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, what we got to understand here, let's go into, um, let's see. All right, I'll read 18 real quick. The eyes of your understanding uh, being enlightened, that ye may know what is in hope, what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance, of his inheritance in the saints. So this is, again, going back to what we were talking about concerning the mystery how you figure out, you know, what the Lord calls for you to do, what his will is. All right. So from here, we're going to hold here. Let's go to Isaiah 11 real quick. Does everybody understand so far? Then? All right. Isaiah 11 speaks of um, the seven spirits of God um, through believing, you know, in the Lord or yielding your vessel. These are some of the fruit. You know, these are some of the spirits that we will have. This is what rested on Jesus. All right. Isaiah 11, verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, this is Jesus they're talking about. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That's one. The spirit of wisdom. That's two. And understanding. Three. 
the spirit of counsel and might, that's five, the spirit of knowledge and the and the fear of the Lord, that's six and seven. So this is kind of like yielding your vessel to him. This is what Jesus transferred forward to us as we believe, as we accept the gift. This is what was given over to Paul. Okay, so that's why they said through him. Now let's go back to Ephesians. You go back to Ephesians, uh, where were we, 15 or 16? 19. Okay, 19. We'll start at 17 again. And it says uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now notice the spirit of wisdom was there, you know, like and the knowledge. Mm -hmm. So this is through the Father to the Son to you. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Okay, so that tells you there, like when you, uh, I want to just make this point real quick, I know we covered this, but when it talked about earlier about the mystery of what he calls you to do, this is how you break through the mystery. You yield your vessel to the Lord, he'll give you these spirits that will rest upon you. That will enable you to know what the Lord is calling you for. 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? That word for power is dunamis, both of them, uh, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities, all all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now, we got a hold right here. Let's go to Philippians um, 2 real quick, and then we're going to hit another spot. This is what Paul was talking about. Philippians 2, we'll start at verse 6. Everybody there? All right. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God have, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that uh, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow uh, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, um, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this is what they're talking about here, how his reign was over, you know, um, all principalities and powers. Now, we know with principalities and powers that they are ranks of angels. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have a whole lot of time to go into that. That's kind of another study, but there are ranks, there are thrones, dominions, and the list goes on and on. Oh, yeah. Here, let's go to Colossians 1 real quick. That's like right next door. One, we'll start at the 15th verse. All right. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? 
for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. So this is telling you the ranks of angels there. There are ranks of angels called thrones. You know, we know about the principalities from Paul. We'll read later in Ephesians, but these are ranks. So all all ranks of angels were created by Jesus Christ. You know, every single thing you can think of, he created Satan himself. So of course he's God, uh, 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Uh, he, yeah, he might have the preeminence. So this tells you here, this is what they're talking about. Uh, should I go to one more spot? Because I think it's going to clear something else up. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's go to Hebrews 1. And the reason why I'm stressing this kind of hard is because I know for a fact that you have other religions out there like the Jehovah's Witness like the Mormons, they all believe Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Mm -hmm. They got their own spin on why they believe it is, but we'll hear the words of the Father himself telling you that that's not true if we weren't already given enough in, you know, um, information with the last two scriptures. Hebrews 1, and we'll start at verse 1. Everybody there? Alright. Um, God, who at sundry times in the in a diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now, it just said God. God did this. So every time you look in the Old Testament, maybe with maybe a couple of exceptions, that God that they're speaking of is Jesus Christ because he spoke to the prophets. You know that he was the word. He interacted with them. They also spoke of his coming uh, too hath in these, in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. That word for world, aeon, that means ages. He made the ages or the time period that we're in now, uh, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he had uh, by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. You know, so that tells you there, that disqualifies all angels. <laughs> for, unto, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, the Father, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a, a father, and he shall be to me a son. So it's like, when did the, the father say, when did I ever say this? You know, that any of these, you know, angels were my son. Right. Uh, six. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Worship who? Jesus Christ. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. Now this is talking about Jesus himself, 
speaking of the angels, but remember, his ministers are going to have the Holy Ghost. That's that flame of fire. Okay, uh, eight. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. So the Father here is calling the Son God. He said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. You know, now some people would say he's just being um, expressive. No, he's clearly saying he's not one of the angels, but he himself is God. Now, these are the words of the Father, and people still can't accept it. Okay, so from here we'll go back into Ephesians. I know some might be wondering, what does this have to do with Ephesians? But this is just breaking down what Paul thought concerning, what Paul knew concerning Jesus Christ. Uh, where are we? 20, right? Two. Oh, am I? Okay, 22. And have put all things, well, let's go back to 21, because, I mean, you know, it's like catching back up. Yeah. Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now, you know which world that is. That's everlasting life. Mm -hmm. And have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body in fullness in him that filleth all in all. So he's saying all things under his feet. So from here, <laughs> let's go to, because uh, I want to make sure that this is understood. Let's go to Matthew 22. You got people now trying to say that Paul was a heretic. You know, that he shouldn't even be in the Bible. You're going to hear all kinds of crazy stuff. Huh? They've said that for ages. Yeah. He's always trying to be Paul a Yeah, when he's quoting nothing different than Jesus did, they just didn't understand. Yep. And even Peter said Paul's writings are difficult to understand. I guess because, you know, he was like a guy of wisdom and a lot of words just seemed twisted, you know, when he spoke. But that was just his great oratory, you know. That was his vocabulary. Mm -hmm. 22, and we'll start at verse 44. So let's go right back to Ephesians. And it says, The Lord said unto my, unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? So you see, Paul even recognized the exact same thing, saying that he would make him his footstool. We got uh, two more. Let's go to Luke 20 and 43. The Bible is kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. You just got to like put it all together. Chantel is speeding Gonzalez over there. He's like already waiting. 20 and 43. Okay, 42, right, exactly. Well, 41. <laughs> and he said unto them, How say they that Christ is David's son? And David himself saith in the, in the book of Psalms, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on the, on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. 
Now, um, you notice here, how we just read in Matthew, it only had, till I make thy enemies my footstool, and then it went into David. Now, notice when you go into Luke, Luke will tell you it was David himself that said it and where you can find it. What are you laughing at? It's just, it's just interesting how he actually named the book of Psalms. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it doesn't happen. And that, that occurred in Psalm 110 and 1. You know, <laughs> anybody wants to look it up, they can, but we got to move on. But that's just interesting how those things just came together like that. And he says David to begin with, and then David Matthew only says David at the end. Right, exactly. And it's just funny how that's why you got to read all the Gospels because if you think that you already read that story when you see the heading, you have it. There's more information. They all have a different account. Well, I took, yeah, I took my biblical course like in teachings and they always mm -hmm. had us do each, each book mm -hmm. the same story when we mm -hmm. read the story. Mm -hmm. So that just brings you right back, you know, to what you were studying. Yep. Cool. All right, we'll go to Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you hath he, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespass and trespasses and sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You know, a lot of people don't understand that either. It's funny how you go into this. That's why I was trying to explain to Alan that day when we were going into it that he kept saying the stuff that I was reading was worldly, but he was spiritual. And I'm like, man, you're saying you're spiritual and we're worldly. I mean, the, you don't understand that everything that we deal with in this physical world has a spiritual backing. And that's right. why I said to him that day, I said, you don't think Satan is spiritual? You know, because he is. I mean, he's not flesh. <laughs> so, I mean, that's clearly, when they use the term spiritual, they mean all spiritual is good, and it's not. If he was fleshly, we'd be able to see him. Exactly. So it says he's the prince of the power of the air, the Greek word there, Arion, which means the dense, immediate atmosphere above us. Mm -hmm. So he's ruler over this realm. You know, and a lot of people in witchcraft know about that. You know, they go through the Akashic Records and all kinds of stuff where they think they get their channeling. Right. Well, they're in Satan's realm playing around. But it says, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So from here, let's go to Colossians 3 to um, understand the children of disobedience. Colossians 3, we'll start at verse 1. Colossians 3, we'll start at verse 1. If ye then be risen in Christ, seek those things which are above, uh, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and, and your life is hid uh, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, uh, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, they're even talking about covetousness is like greedy, like money, you know? So that's like filthy lucre. So if you're involved in that, think about 
They call that idolatry. Mm -hmm. So even for us, you got to be careful because this whole chapter three is, is describing, you know, who God is, what the Lord expects from us as far as change from physical to going spiritual in Christ. And it's talking about the children of disobedience. So if you're involved in any of this stuff, or we are, we are the children of disobedience, but it's going to go further. Six, for which things uh, sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which, in the which we also uh, walked some time when ye lived with them. It's the same thing Paul said. When we were in that realm, we were the children of disobedience. Verse 8. But now ye also put off all these, all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after uh, the image of him that created him. Now, so, you know, we got a brief understanding as to what they are. Uh, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, uh, bond nor free, uh, but Christ in all and in all. I mean, you know, that says it all right there, but you got people talking about they're special. That's another thing, and I don't want to get into that. You know, uh, 12. Uh, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercies, uh, kindness, humbleness of mind, uh, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, uh, even as Christ forgave you, ye also do ye. And, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And so we got to understand here, even when Paul himself and the others were pushing love, we got to understand why charity is so important. If we don't have charity, which is love, agape, we will not do the will of God. Now, some people would say, well, I got love. I don't understand the problem. So from here, we're going to explain one other thing, and then we're going to go back into Ephesians. So let's go to, uh, let's see. Should I go there? Yeah, let's go to uh, 1 John 4. We'll get back to Ephesians, I promise. <laughs> what does this have to do with Ephesians? 1 John 4, we'll start in the 18th verse, or well, 17. All right. Herein uh, is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are, so are we in this world. So the way the Lord is, that's how we should be. 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now we got to understand that, because, and that's why Paul was talking about that, that charity is greater than them all, because What's going to stop you from being afraid of people that want to judge, you know, or getting out there and getting yourself in trouble, or you're worried about your home or this and that? It's going to be the love to win souls. It's going to be the love to care for others. That's going to reign bigger to you than your own safety. 
you know, than your own well-being. So that's the part of why he said love is above all. You need the love of Jesus Christ to do it. Jesus was on that cross. He thought of us. When Jesus suffered persecution, it was because of us. He could have easily said, I don't want to do this. I'm out of here. But he had perfect love. Perfect love is loving your neighbor and loving God the Father who told him to do it. All right, we can go back to Ephesians. Just wanted to make that point real quick because we're going to talk a lot about that in there. All right. uh, Let's see. Uh, Verse 3. So everybody knows the children of disobedience. uh, Mm -hmm. All right, 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You know, it's like I heard uh, Gary Price say one time, and I agree. He said that if you love this world, you will automatically, you know, be a child of wrath all by yourself. Why? Because if someone presents the gospel to you, your love for the world is so great that you're going to fight to stay here, even if it means the demise of someone else. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's like you're killing my world talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I like it here. So that instantly makes you the child of wrath to go in rebellion, excuse me, from what God tells you to do. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, uh, let's see, verse 4. But God, who was rich in mercy for his great love uh, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised up raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So this is the inheritance that they're speaking of, you know, mortifying your members. Killing the flesh, you know, getting more into the spirit. You'll be sitting in heavenly places with Jesus. This is a part of the predestination. Mm -hmm. All right. um, Seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness uh, toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 22, you know, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. The second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Why? You can't brag about that. You're going to brag about how many people you love. See, you can't do that. You brag about how much you love the Lord. There are people that do it, but, you know, the thing is, is, you can't brag about this. It's all selfless. Right. But if you say, I keep the Sabbath, you know, I um, the Day of Atonement or the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you know, the Day of Pentecost and all this, then what you're pretty much saying is, you see, I'm holier than thou. Look at the things that I'm keeping. The Lord understands me. But you, you know, you don't even keep the Sabbath. Hey. It was just like those Pharisees in Matthew that say, you know, what was it called? Don't uh, pray openly mm-hmm. because, you know, they, they have their reward. It's those same people that when they go out and they pray and, uh, much much for much speaking, they pray for much speaking. Oh, yeah. It's for all self-glorification. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're 
spending your alone time with the Lord to seek a relationship with Him is to do it for all, you know, look at me and look at what I'm doing and, you know, mm-hmm. he pre- you know, he's saying, don't be like them. Mm-hmm. That's why for all people, you even find those with the spiritual gifts, just, you know, you're going to just go somewhere, you know, in the cafeteria at work where you should just be, you know, you say a little prayer and, you know, you eat your food. No, you want to go in there and start busting out in tongues you know, and doing other things so people can see what you got. You see, that's why the world don't like crazy, because some people are that way. Yeah. You know, you start losing your mind for what? Sit down and eat your food. But you got to show everybody that you can do this. You're better than everyone. Yeah. Shouting, busting out in tongues. Even the, the you know, the way that people speak concerning um, speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, do you speak in tongues? Like, you know, like they're ordering their favorite meal at a nice <laughs> restaurant. Like, that's the measuring stick. When Paul says that charity in 1 Corinthians 13 is greater than them all. You know, prophecy, actually. Charity and prophecy. Right. They're above speaking in tongues. But everybody does the speaking in tongues like that's some sort of measuring stick that we should all try and get up to. And the Lord, I grew up, that was always, those are the crazies. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they just bust out in tongues. There are rules concerning tongues, and we're going to go into that teaching. Yep. But there are rules concerning it. It is a real gift of God, you know. It is yeah. the Holy Ghost given. But he says in 1 Corinthians that it's, it's no use unless you have someone that can interpret it. Interpret it, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. that's one of the rules, yeah. All right, where are we, verse 10? Mm. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Now, this is where the Catholic Church tries to go backwards on. You know, Martin mentioned this one time before, how they'll put verse 10 above 7, 8, 9. You know, like, see, you're supposed to work. That's not what it's saying here. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So when we're created in Christ Jesus, the new man doing what he says the nature change will allow you to do good works. You want to versus you feel like you have to. Right. Yep. Right. You're not earning a thing. This is me. Yeah. I have the heart and the mind of Christ. You know, so that's what it's about. You can't put the car before the horse doing works. If your heart's not right with the Lord and you're trying to earn your salvation, all that's for nothing. And that's what all these false religions do. Mm-hmm. Verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So, you know, again, this is talking about those that are, you know, saved in the world, Gentiles, and those that believe in Christ. This is the only distinction he's making. Uncircumcised, obviously, is the world. The circumcision, those in Christ. Uh, Twelve. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Now, come on, we can all attest to this. This is where we were. The worst thing, though, I'll tell you what, for those people that never knew God, they somewhat have it better than those that once did. And I'll tell you why. Because those that once did, or you believe in a God, so you say, you go through your whole life being deceived that you know him. Mm-hmm. You think that you're in when you're out. 
the whole time. But at least the Gentile can say, I was in the world, but now I'm coming to Christ. I'm learning about him. Before that point, I mean, I know I was deceived thinking, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's like you look at my resume and everything I'm doing. I'm not following anything in scripture. I'm on that list as going in the lake of fire. So what am I really doing? You know, but me being deceived if you believe in Jesus Christ. You know, like Paul Washington said, how do you know you believe? Right. How do you know? Where's the evidence of your faith? And that's one thing about your faith. If it's real in Christ, you're going to have evidence. Mm -hmm. Whether it's, you know, your lifestyle changes, things will happen, you know. Uh, okay, 13. But now in Christ Jesus, uh, ye, ye sometimes were far off um, or made nigh by the blood of Christ. So, you know, he's talking about, again, being away. And now you're in, you know, by the blood of Christ. 14, for he is our peace, who have made both one and all, I mean, and have broken down the middle wall and partition between us, having abolished in the flesh uh, the enmity, uh, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Yeah, speak. So, you know, everybody understands that, that it's about putting off the old man and going into the new man. Yeah. And this also sounds like when he died on the cross for our sins. Yeah. How he took down that... Uh, he took down the veil between... Right. Between God and, and people. Basically. Right. You're no longer having to go to the high priest. Right. You're no longer having someone that can get into the inner sanctum. Exactly. And you're 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 allowed into the inner sanctum by your belief in and the blood. Exactly, yep. That's pretty cool. And then what was it having abolished in his flesh? I have this thing here. Enmity the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace. Mm-hmm. So what it's you see the the even the law of the commandments, which was something that uh, well, some some of the Pharisees, and right? The, all of them were had such a hard time breaking free from. Mm-hmm. And this thing here, it, we have to speak up at times because it, it hears low. I mean, it it'll sound low once yeah. you hear it again. So, uh, but yeah, I mean. But you have a one of the movements that he's mentioned before that's going on right now is the Hebrew Roots movement. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's so confusing how they try and say we have to follow the commandments, you have to follow this and this, and mm -hmm. it's like well, all you have to do is follow the law of the Spirit. You don't have to follow the law of Moses anymore because Christ, right. when He came back, He He fulfilled that. You know. You know, one other point I want to make too in um, Ephesians one. Um, it's so funny here. I meant to bring this up, but this also supports my argument saying that Adam was like the son of Jesus. If you look at uh, verse 5, it says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now look at that. I mean, that's saying calling to the adoption of being under him. It was almost like Jesus, when you go to Isaiah 9, 6, Talks about him like being an everlasting father. Right. Again, yeah. it's kind of like adoption all over again. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
All right, so let's see. I'm in verse uh, 15 or 16. But look at how 15 says, having abolished in the flesh, you know, the enmity, even the law of commandments uh, contained in ordinances. And this is saying abolished, but people still want to follow the law. I mean, it's just like, it's unbelievable. Verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. You know, so he's saying he reconciled us, um, slain the enmity thereby. You know, what he means here is, uh, hold where you are, let's go to James 4. James 4, verse 4, right after Hebrews, or before Hebrews. Which one is it? After, after yep. Let's start at 1, because this is what he's talking about here, 4.1. James 4.1. From whence come wars and fighting, fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, uh, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is the is enmity uh, with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So this is what the Lord is talking about, what he was able to do, because at one point, before the blood of Christ... Before his uh, redemption, which it talks about here in um, 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. You see what I'm saying? So therefore, we are now able to have that nature change in Christ because of the fact that he died for our sins. So he killed the old man. What he took to the cross was Adam. He took the flesh to the cross. Because Adam himself became rebellious with God once he ate of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Right. So that's what it's saying is that the Lord abolished this so that we may be compatible with him now. Mm -hmm. Where beforehand we weren't. No matter what, your flesh would always go left. Yeah. So he opened that door. And that's why when you look in the, um, when they talk about when Jesus died, that that veil in the most holy place was split in half. It was because, you know, there's no more high priest, Day of Atonement, going in there trying to give an offering. You know, it was about that veil being broken. Right. What are you guys laughing at? We were just talking about that when you... Oh, really? <laughs> uh, well, you're spot on then. Uh, 17. And came and preached peace to you, uh, which were afar off, uh, and to them uh, that were not. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So, you know, they paved the way. That's pretty much what it's saying. Uh, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You know, the funny thing about this, too, you look at the, um, Jesus' world. Jesus is the cornerstone. 
he went to the bottom to hold you up, you know, like the pyramid. Exactly. Like a real God, foundation. Lucifer built his kingdom and sat himself on top. Mm -hmm. So we're holding up Lucifer, well, not us, but the world, they're holding up Satan. Right. You know, he's the top of it all. Where Jesus went to the bottom to hold the pyramid up, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and you know that we may all get in. It's not even like we're being set there. He's holding it like a ladder so that you may climb into the kingdom. But Satan himself is sitting on the top of his kingdom on the backs and lives of his people. Yeah. You know? So that tells you one thing about the nature of 21. And who all the building uh, fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. And whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. That's the part that people will not get. All right, anybody have anything to add? We can go into Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. All right, so, uh, yeah, we'll go forward. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, um, for you Gentiles. Now, again, you got atheists that will read this. See, he's a prisoner. Not realizing it's, it means he's a prisoner because of Jesus Christ or, or standing for Jesus Christ. Meaning, when Paul wrote the book of Ephesus, Paul was in prison. You know, so that's what he's talking about here. Like, he's a prisoner for Christ. Like, hey, because I stood for the Lord, this is where I am. Mm -hmm. But this is, that's what he meant. So it's not a whole thing of, oh, he's shackled to the Lord and the Lord just won't <laughs> let him go. All right, uh, two. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me uh, to you to you work, uh, verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote, of four in few words. You know, he's talking about, you know, the mystery again, our purpose. For whereby when, we, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Uh, which in other ages was not made, which unto the sons of men, as it is now, revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now you know that this is talking about Acts the second chapter. Before Acts the second chapter, Jesus was the comforter for them. Before that, the Holy Ghost did works, you know, but it was never through the individuals themselves, where they, you know, if anything, they spoke. And the Lord went to work, or they they obeyed what He commanded, and He did. But Acts the second chapter was the first time that the Holy Ghost was given to them to go and do the work themselves, right. and that's what Jesus meant by sending another Comforter. So before that point, they're saying it wasn't known. That that that's what Paul means in verse five. Once that Holy Ghost was distributed, now there's an understanding of what must be done. Right. Six that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So remember, during that day of Pentecost in Acts the second chapter, they all went out doing the work. 3,000 people were saved that day, I think, you know, because they were distributing the spirit of the Holy Ghost mm -hmm. to the Gentiles and the believers because it was the day of Pentecost, which is like a festival for the Israelites. Seven, 
whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual workings of his power. Now, he was made a minister according to the Lord. He didn't go to seminary and then get a seminary degree and then step into the office as CEO of a church. You know, that's the part that's missing. It has to be an anointing. Eight, unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles uh, the unsearchable riches of, of Christ. And you know this is speaking about too, when Paul considered himself least because he was a murderer, persecutor of the Christians. Mm -hmm. So he's saying that that grace was extended to him, you know, and he was undeserving. Yeah. But, you know, that's what the Lord gave him. Okay, uh, nine. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Christ Jesus, the Holy Ghost. That's what that mystery is. Ten. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church of the manifold wisdom of God. Again, we explain what those are. Um, 11. According to the eternal purpose, which all purpose in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, you know, like Colossians 1 says, through him all things consist. You know, all things hold together in him. Uh, where are we, 11, 12? Okay, 12. In whom uh, we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my uh, tribulations for you, which is your glory. Back to 12, right here again. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Does it say anything about your sacrifice doesn't say anything about the Sabbath, doesn't say anything about what you got to do in Old Testament law. You know, it's talking about here through faith, we have access. Faith in Christ, that is. Uh, 13. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. You know, so he's working that hard for the Lord, you know, because it's the glory of the Lord that's motivating him. It's not, if you do things for you, you won't get far. If you do them for the glory of the Lord, that's setting your affections on high and not below. Yep. You know, yielding to the promise. 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, you know what that means. It's talking about, you know, after him, you know, his possession. 16 that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened uh, with might by his spirit in the inner man. This is talking about the Holy Ghost, forsaking the flesh. The Bible talks about that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm -hmm. So they're talking about getting rid of that part, getting into the inner man. The inner man is your spirit. 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Now see, why are we rooted and grounded in love? This is what we discussed earlier because I knew we would go back into it. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1.
First Timothy one, I think it is. Let's see. I was waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, where the heck am I going? Is it? <laughs> it's Second Timothy two. Two. Sorry, yes. No, it's one. Second Timothy. <laughs> Second Timothy one one. I mean one uh, six. Sorry, guys. Anybody there? All right. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now this is talking Paul's message to Timothy, stirring up the gift in you. That's what's in the inner man. That's what's in the spirit. Right. That's what's in the anointing of God. Okay, but then on verse 7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, agape, and of a sound mind. So if you don't have, let's just say if you don't have the love, a lot of ways you don't have the power. Mm -hmm. Because love is what is the driving force behind what we do. Love for the Lord, loving your neighbor. And your mind isn't sound when you're in fear. Think about that. When you're in fear, you would do things that you wouldn't normally do. So, you know, the spirit of fear can't rest in you unless you're um, unless it's fear of the Lord, which is reverence. It's also fear, too, like a dad over a child, you know, child to a parent. Sounds like a fear. Most people do irrational things. They do, you know, and it's like they consider the consequences later. But it's yeah. like, you know, we can't be driven. And that's why it says a sound mind. Right, where are we? Ephesians... Uh, 17. So here it is again. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. This is what? 18. May, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. They're talking about the spirit. They're talking about going deep into that dimension. Having a real understanding of the merits, the mysteries of God, mm -hmm. you know, in his secrets. This is when you're deep in the spirit. Mm -hmm. That's the only way you can compre comprehend how wide, how deep, how tall, you know. This is deep in the spirit. Uh, 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that he might be filled with all the fullness of God. This is important. That's why it's translated as charity in the King James agape. Why? Because you think about it, it says, uh, passes knowledge. Because knowledge ain't going to comprehend to someone. Now, you may have your last two, three dollars. All right? You may have enough dinner for the dollar menu. You see someone that hadn't eaten in days. Now, see, knowledge would tell you, I need to hang on to that three dollars because of the fact that it's, um, you know, I need to eat. But when you consider the other man, your love for him, you see, you'd give him that money and not even worry about yourself. Right. Why? Because you know the depths of, of the Lord. You know his spirit. He's going to provide. He's not going to leave you hanging. But you can't see that in a carnal mind. Mm -hmm. A carnal mind is a rational thinking mind. Not to say God's mind in it isn't. It is. But it's, it's more rational as far as understanding and explaining those things that you can't see. Right. To a, to a physical mind, God's mind would seem unrational. You know, but to a worldly, I mean a worldly mind, 
but to a mind of Christ, oh, am I a spiritual mind? Oh, this makes perfect sense. You love your neighbor, the Lord loves you. Yep. It's a handoff. It's a trade-in, you know? All right, so be filled with all the fullness of God. This also speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, love, peace, long-suffering, temperance, goodness, you know, mercy, whatever. I mean, I don't know the others, but it says, you know, by which there is no law. So doing those things surpasseth knowledge that we're thinking about, you know, that's what they're talking about here, though. All right, uh, 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Look at this. And just explain what we were talking about. 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So that's forever and ever, to say the least. Yep. All right. Making sure I hit all my stuff. Yep, now we're going to go to Ephesians 4 if everybody's, um, nothing to add. Chantel's tired. The babysitting again. No, I scrubbed my kitchen. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Ephesians 4, verse 1. And therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech ye, you know, you guys remember that. Mm -hmm. He was in prison. Uh, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another's love. Now, you know, this is talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. But it's also saying that God's kingdom, the way to his kingdom is down. Um, three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, that's so important. This is why, you know, like-minded people walk together. This is why two can't walk together unless they're agreed. Yeah. The Spirit is not going to play, you know, while well, I'm with you and I'm with you and I'm with you and we all have our truth. No. You know, the truth is the truth and lies are lies. I was telling a friend that today how, you know, the devil is just taking truth and just spreading it out, making it gray. Mm -hmm. There is no right and wrong. You know, there is, uh, you know, you're right and you're right and you're right. Okay, so then where's wrong? You know, everybody, whatever we do is okay. Not understanding when people think that way that my, my rights may go over yours. You know, because you may say, okay, well, you believe what you want, that's okay, and I believe what I want. But what about the other person that says, well, I believe anybody who doesn't believe what I believe deserves to be killed. Now what? Exactly. So his rights overrule both of you. So there is no peacefully coexisting. You see how that kind of logic can just get skewed and just spill over, and then you have a big mess. And God is not the author, author of confusion. That's what a lot of churches are preaching these days, is that you can be different in spirit and walk together. Exactly. You cannot have a church, you know, that, um, you know, you believe in Jesus Christ, and then you got the yoga studio downstairs. Right. That's two different spirits. Yep. You know, and some of them don't know. A lot of it is through ignorance. Mm -hmm. And some of them don't care to know. Mm -hmm. And some of them know well what they're doing. Yep. You know, how you infiltrate the body of Christ. Uh, four. Four, okay. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called, and one hope of your calling. One hope. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God. Uh, the Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. 
Hmm. Here's the Trinity. Anybody pick that up? Mm -hmm. Look what it says in 6. A God and Father of all. That's the Father. Who is above all. That's the Father. And through all, Jesus Christ. And in you all. That's the Holy Ghost. Yep. Look at how the Lord just put those together. Let's go to 1 John 5 real quick. Trouble. I think you have more problems with that, bud. <laughs> what am I doing over here? <laughs> well, let's see what the problem is. I'm getting caught up in my jacket. Oh. Okay, First John 5. We'll start at verse 6 and go through 8. Um, no, you know what? Let's go to uh, 4. Let's start at 4. Okay. All right. First John 5, 4. For, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Uh, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is true. And what is that truth? Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, seven. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three are um, these three in one. I mean, agree in one. Understanding what this uh, thing is in eight when they're talking about uh, in the earth that bear witness, that spirit, you know, is the Holy Ghost. Okay, that blood, I mean, that water is your baptism. And that blood is the salvation that we got from Jesus Christ. But look at how it goes in threes. Look at how perfect that is. I picked that up this morning and I was blown away. Go ahead. Verse 6 in 1 John 5. I had, when it says that he came by not only by water but by water and blood mm -hmm. this is the first time I picked up that that also could represent you just answered the question for mm -hmm. me his baptism mm -hmm. and then his death on the cross yeah and isn't it funny that when he was pierced with the spear of Longinus that that's what ran out of his side water and blood blood and water yeah. you know that's really <laughs> interesting I mean you got uh, what you call it those theologians trying to tell you um well, yeah, well, when it pierced his side, you know, it probably punctured his kidney, and that's how the water or whatever came out or the liver or something. Long, what? Long. You know, a lung or something. So my question is, is this. Did you even get the point concerning the blood and the water? Mm -hmm. But see, these guys want to be doctors, and that's why the Lord can't fill people like that. Exactly. You're too smart for your own good. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, let's see. Verse 7. I want to read verse 6 again. Who's going to say that? But look at that. One God and Father of all, who is above all the Father, and through all the Son, and in you all the Holy Ghost. I mean, this is awesome. It's awesome how God just puts stuff there. I'm like a little kid. Forgive me. <laughs> 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. 
So you see, according to the measure of the gift of Christ, all of our gifts are different. Everybody's not going to do the same and, 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 you know, have the same. There are ways where, you know, we'll get into that because it covers it. I don't even have to speak. Paul's going to cover that in a minute or so. That was the way I'm reading. But, <laughs> hey, <laughs> wherefore he saith, uh, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. What does he mean by that? Now that he ascended, uh, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Now we're going to get into some facts concerning this. Because, I mean, you know, when you first read this, it's like, what is he saying? Ascended, descended, you know, whatever. So from here... Let's go into uh, let's go into Matthew twelve. Twelve what? Uh, forty. Okay, you guys go there, and I'm still trying to get there. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> All right, Matthew 12, we'll start at the 39th verse. Okay, but he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given uh, to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now, you know, Jonas was in the, well, he's explaining it in 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be uh, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, what people need to understand this is, they'll talk about the heart of the earth. They think that that just means the grave. No, physically, that's the grave. Mm -hmm. From there, he went into the heart of the earth. You know, he went into hell. Now, uh, that's not being blasphemous. That's explaining what he was doing when he was there. Right. But see, some people think when Jesus died, he just laid in a dormant state, you know, nothing. And then in three days he arose. No, there was a mission that was being fulfilled in the spirit that wasn't that we could only, you know, you would only see a body laying there. But his spirit had a purpose. And we're going to find out what that is. So let's go to Revelation 1. And this is what Paul talked about when he said, leave captivity captive. Like, in other words, you know, what's more um, captive than death or captivating than death? I mean, really, what's more, what would hold you more than death? I mean, that's about as helpless as you can possibly be. Yeah. Well, he's saying that he held death in captivity. That's pretty much what he did. So, all right, Revelation We'll start in uh, chapter 1, and we'll go to verse 17. All right, everybody there? He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the... No, wait, I'm in the wrong place. Hold on. Oh, Revelation 1, 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He's talking about Christ. This is John's revelation. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. 
I am he that liveth and was dead. That's Jesus. And behold, now, now notice, in 18 it says, I am he that liveth and was dead. The next thing you get is, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of hell and of death. So what does that tell you? He died. He took hold of death. He took death actually on the way back up. But in hell, he took those keys. Mm -hmm. Because there will be no hell for those who are alive in Christ. Right. Okay? So he took the authority there. But then death, he took on the way up. When he resurrected, mm -hmm. I got power over death. So therefore, I have the keys of death and hell, meaning authority over them. Mm -hmm. You know? So he held captivity captive. Hell is a holding tank. Death is a holding place. He held them captive. That's how bad Jesus is. I mean, think about that. Let's see James Bond try this. You know, a Superman for that matter. He held captivity captive. Exactly. So we're going back to uh, yeah, Ephesians 4. So we'll read that part again just so we can, you know, make this parallel. Um, it's in 8. He said, Wherefore he saith, uh, he that ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Okay, uh, now that he ascended, what is it but that he hath descended first into the lower parts of the earth? See, now that doesn't say the grave. That says the lower parts of the earth. For those who don't want to believe, he went into hell. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the going minister to let them know, hey, I won this. Your boss is defeated. All right, uh, 10. He that descendeth uh, is the same also that ascendeth up far above all heavens uh, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some uh, prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and, some, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that's what the real ministry is supposed to be doing. Edifying the body of Christ. Okay? The funny thing here is, it says, and he gave some. Don't you know some people with the Jezebel spirit tried to claim that that some means both men and women? Look up that in the concordance. concordance it has a number in it. And um, it's funny what it says. But I'll even prove that right now so some people won't call me a heretic or a liar. You know, because they'll think, well, some means some. Yeah, you want it to be. Okay, Ephesians 4, and what verse is that? 11. 4 and 11. Okay, you look up the word some, and the definition is men. Mm -hmm. Okay, it tells you right there that he gave men. But they'll say, oh, some means like it could be anybody. They want to go around, um, what was it, First Timothy chapter 3, right. to say that women can be pastors. Women can be teachers. That is one of the gifts. Mm -hmm. You know, women can be prophets. You know, prophetess. We know that because Anna the prophetess was. We know that women can be evangelists. Right. But as far as pastors and apostles, those are manly roles. We already went over what the word um, pastor means. Mm -hmm. You know, pater, patria, father, family. Technically, if you don't have a father, you don't have a family. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the way that the Lord set it up. The Jezebel spirit hates to hear that because they don't understand women have roles and men have roles. Yep. But the Jezebel spirit will say, ain't no man over me but Christ. You're a rebel. You know, that's really what many of them do that for. A normal thinking woman has a patriarchal heart. Right. 
she has no problem with a man being in authority as far as the structure that God set up. Why? Woman from man. You know, so the Bible is even, um, he's not just giving it all to men. He's saying that things need to be done too, you know, for the men to treat their women a certain way. So he's not one-sided with this. Right. Uh, he gave some apostles. Okay, so we'll break down apostles. They had churches. You know, they build churches. That's what they do. They're ahead of them all. They actually act in all five offices, to be honest with you. And uh, the prophets, again, that's like the individual in the crow's nest in a ship. You see things ahead of you. You know, you can come to lots of conclusions without evidence. Why? You speak to God directly. You may not have the evidence before you, but you know that you know that you know. And anything that God says, if you look at um, Deuteronomy 18.15, it tells you straight out that if something comes from the Lord, then it's going to come to pass. If it doesn't come to pass, then you know you weren't hearing from the Lord. And in those days, it was a death sentence to even, you know, attempt to be. Okay, um, evangelists, they go out and win souls. They go from town to town, place to place. They blow in, blow up, and blow out. They go, their, their job is probably the biggest in terms of soul winning. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. They go after the souls. Now, pastors, again, you know, they're the fathers of the church. They had the church. That's it. He's supposed to be a servant. That's what that word really means. Right. You know, so, um, and teachers, you know, they break down things to the simplest of understanding, you know, for all people, a plainness of speech. That's what teachers do. You know, they get it to where all can understand. Okay, so. Um, so that would say, even with that word, prophetess, mm -hmm. that. You know, it's under male leadership. It's under male leadership. Absolutely. Yeah, they have to, you know, still, because even Anna the prophetess was under, what was her name, Simeon, I think it was. Yeah, and, and uh, Phoebe was under Paul. It was under You Paul. know, a part of the ministry, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's one of those things where um, if you got to look at a pastor, now some people think today a pastor is, you know, he's the head, the king of the church. No, you are the chief servant. Right. Your job is to do what Jesus did, be that cornerstone, and help bring other people up. So, see, that's why when a lot of people don't understand, especially not the Jezebel spirit, if the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, then that man is a servant to his woman. You know, it's just like if you're in a restaurant, and you, you know, you won't allow the waiter to serve you because you're bold and proud. You know, oh, I'll get it myself, don't worry, don't put the water on the table, I've got it. So, I mean, how stupid do you look not allowing the waiter to serve you? Right. See, he that's greatest in the kingdom, you know, acts as least to help, you know, edify the body. Or, you know, a husband taking care of his wife. The Bible says to give honor to the wife as the weaker vessel in the spirit. You know, like in other words, um, where some people would say, well, I'm not weak. I can do what a man can do. Well, that's a Jezebel spirit. Mm -hmm. Why would you even care about that if you're a woman? So you're going to be pregnant, you're going to go out there and lift up a 100-pound box? No. Yeah, go get the groceries while you're at it. You want to be equal, right? We are equal in Christ, but we have different roles. So for a woman not wanting herself to be serviced, I mean, that's kind of like stupid because then you can complain that men don't do anything. You know, so I don't understand. It's an interesting perspective with men now in society. Mm -hmm. who, who don't do that. Mm -hmm. And then they wonder why women have said, all right, I'm going to go do it myself. Mm -hmm. 
So you got two sides of that working, and Satan's working both. Oh, yeah. That's the thing that people don't know. It ain't man versus woman. Satan, like I said, is an excellent, excellent ballroom dancer. He'll lead you to one side of truth and lead you to the other side of error. We got to be in the middle of the road, following the Holy Ghost, what the Spirit of the Lord says to do. Yeah. All right, so that's what the perfecting, you know, the only reason, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's all we're supposed to be doing. You don't get a lot of that in church because most people have a pastor. He may be somewhat a teacher, but there are no evangelists. There's no prophets. There's no apostles. Right. So who does the pastor answer to? Nobody. You know, there should be an apostle coming in there checking, making sure everything is fine. The church is run by a body of elders, not just by one man. Mm -hmm. You know, so... You know, I'm getting loud, but I'm getting excited. <laughs> all right, uh, 13. Uh, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son and God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of, of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Pretty much telling you he's the measuring stick. This is where we got to do. And Jesus held all of these offices, mm -hmm. you know, including priest and king. Yep. You know, so that was a complete seven right there. Uh, 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait uh, to deceive. So you know that this is going on full blown today. Oh, yeah. You know, this is where it's really out of hand. So from here, we're going to go into... Uh, Let's see, Matthew 7. Seems like we get on Matthew 7 a lot. There's no getting around that one. Okay, verse 24. Yeah, verse 24, 7 and 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Now, now, mind you, you hear the sayings and you do them. You know, that's like, again, not being blown around by every wind of doctrine. Why? You're following the word of God and the will of God. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, uh, well, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. You know, that rock is Christ. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, not shall, and, oh, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So this is what they're talking about here, being blown around by every wind of doctrine. Some people think it's okay to believe in the rapture, to believe in one saved, always saved. You better do the will of the Lord. Right. Because when it comes down to it and there's no rapture, guess what's going to happen to your house? It's going to get blown down. Mm -hmm. You know, what's going to happen to them that believe that they're saved and they're really not because they're not doing the will of the Lord? What's going to happen on that day? You know, you didn't make it in. And great was the fall of that house. So these are things that we have to be, our doctrine has to be sound. Right. 
And to prove that, let's go to uh, 1 Timothy 1. And then we'll go back to Ephesians. I know, you can jump right over the epistles. Okay. Uh, okay, we'll start at um, 7. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, 7. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, nor whereof they affirm. So this is a false doctrine. Mm -hmm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, uh, for holy and profane, uh, for murderers and murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to what? Sound doctrine. Exactly. Sound doctrine. So your doctrine must be sound. Mm -hmm. You can't believe what you want. Why? Because that puts you in the class of all these other negative things that were made. So that tells you that the doctrine has to be sound. Mm -hmm. This is what Paul was warning Timothy about. When even in Ephesians, when he said about being blown around by every wind of doctrine. Yep. Okay, so Ephesians 4. And we're at... Let's see. 15. Okay, 15. Let's read 14 again. That he henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slate of men... And cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait and, and to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, uh, even Christ. So it's about the truth. Speaking the truth in love. You can't lie to somebody and say you love them. You've right. got to present the truth. 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by the by the which uh, every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part uh, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. See, so basically it's speaking of us being a well-oiled machine. That's the body of Christ. A well-oiled machine filled by what? You know, by love. You know, so that's what it's supposed to be. 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth uh, walk not, oh, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. That's the tree of knowledge and good and evil. What does the Gentile have? He has Adam's stinking nature. He has the nature of us that weren't saved at one point. He also is, um, you know, this is where humanism comes from. Mm -hmm. This is where evolution comes from. All these lies about being puffed up in your imagination. Uh, 18. Having the understanding, darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Oh, because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given them, I mean, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness 
to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, why are they blind? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 4, or 2 Corinthians 4. We'll start at verse 1. You there? All right. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience, in the sight of God. Now, what is this saying what Paul said in Ephesians? You know, in love, giving the truth. Mm -hmm. Giving the truth in love. Okay, um, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine through them. I mean, unto them. So that tells you right there, this is why people are blind. This is why regardless of what truth you bring, they can't see it. Right. Why? They love the world, making them subject to the God of this world. Okay. Uh, 19. 19. Yeah. No, we read 19. But, you know, that's what 18 was talking about. 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. If ye be that... If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by, by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What is that? The thoughts of your mind. That you, so it said, put off the old man in conversation. So what does that mean? What we do, you know, is a reflection of what we are. We don't sin because it's something we, we do. We sin because that's what we are. And I'm not saying all sin, of course. We're not sinless. But the point here is, you know, it says corrupt uh, according to deceitful lust. Our conversations, filthy mouths, all this stuff. You know, comes from the fact that we, um, you know, we're in the old man. Yeah. So when you're putting off the old man, you're going to be a new creation. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I'm not going to go there, but Romans 12.1, when it talks about renewed in the spirit of your mind, Romans 12.1 talks about the renewing of your mind. Matter of fact, let's go there real quick, and then we'll go straight through. You have some. You ain't say that. <laughs> taking it out of context. Okay, Romans 12, we'll start at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. To be not transformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what does it take to have the will of God? The renewing of your mind. So that's what Paul's talking about. Mm -hmm. All right, back to Ephesians. We'll get, because we've got to finish this up. Uh, 24. 
and that ye put on a new man or the new man which after god is created in righteousness and uh true holiness it's the same thing we just read in romans uh 25 wherefore putting away lying speaking every man truth of his neighbor for uh, we are members one of another be ye angry and sin not let not the sun go down upon your wrath neither give place to the devil so you know be quick to forgive you know don't go to bed mad because that'll give the devil a chance to you know that's right uh 28 let him that stole steal no more uh, but rather let him labor working uh with his hands the things which are good that he may have to give uh, to him that needeth. So you see, the Lord provides. We work to take care of others, not ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good uh, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. This is one of the toughest things we'll have to deal with is the, is the tongue. What does James say? The tongue is an unruly member. It can bless and it can curse. Mm -hmm. The tongue can kill. You can commit murder with your mouth. Yep. Talking about something you know nothing about loosely to some nut who's sitting here hearing it. Yeah. And then they decide to go deal with the issue themselves. All right. Verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Ghost of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So, you know, another key thing. All right, we'll go to chapter 5. No one has anything to add. All right. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love. See, he stresses that love. Mm -hmm. As Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling sweet savor. Uh, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you uh, as becoming saints. You notice now, if saint means, you know, separated unto God or separate ones, look at what he's saying to flee from, you know, and that's how you become a saint, you know, staying off this list. <laughs> that's pretty much it. You're not going to be perfect, but you right. won't be on the list either. Uh, four, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting. So, you know, being a clown here can even be a sin. I think the Bible says something about foolish thoughts being um a sin to think foolishly i think that's in proverbs or to have foolish thoughts right so you have that and then you have here you know jesting you know that's why the bible always says be sober you know sober means serious so i mean of course the lord gave us laughter but you know partner on that a minute i think we do more than we actually should some of us you know straight out play too much mm -hmm. You know, when things are really about the Lord's business. Because right. I don't remember anybody in this Bible telling jokes. Yeah. I'm only being serious. I don't know if, I mean, Jesus had a wonderful sense of humor pulling out uh, coins. the coins out of the fish and stuff like that. But, 
there's no other, you know, the Bible says the Lord laughs, but... It shouldn't be a distraction. Right, and that's what it's about. It's not that you can't tell a joke, but if that's what you're doing all day, mm -hmm. guess what you're not doing? You're not focusing on the Lord. Or following what he's telling you right. to do. So, yeah. All right. Uh, okay, foolish talking, nor jesting. Uh, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. This is what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, you know, many of us, I'm one, you know, I thought, well, as long as I believe in Jesus and I try and do as well, I can get away with some of this stuff from time to time. Mm -hmm. No, you can't. If you fall into it, you repent, and then you go forward with what he tells you to do. Right. You know, that's your get out of jail free card, but you better use it. Mm -hmm. And you better, you know, and mean it. Yeah. Uh, six, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. You know, this also goes into, let's go to uh, hold there, uh, one book over or two books over, Colossians 2. If you look at a lot of Paul's writings, they parallel with Jesus, they parallel with the prophets, they even parallel with other epistles that he's given other people. Mm -hmm. Colossians 2, we'll start at verse 8. See that? All right. Be, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the rudiments of men, after, I mean, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You know, so that tells you there, beware, because those people are out there. They'll put their own spin on the Bible. Mm -hmm. They'll put their own spin on other things. Got nothing to do with God. Yep. The traditions of the world. Look at that. How they try and equate Jesus with Christmas. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I don't get into telling people what to do. I tell people the origins. You seek it out with the Lord yourselves. But, you know, the Bible speaks against all this stuff. Exactly. You know, but we got to be willing to forsake it. Now, some people would rather go to hell than forsake Christmas. I'm telling you straight up. Some people, man, I'll just go to hell. When you think of the way my kids are happy on Christmas Day and all this stuff, and we got the train going around the track and... You know, you just, every day should be Christmas. But notice, it's never the spirit of Christ. It's the Christmas spirit. What is the Christmas spirit? The spirit of Antichrist. Exactly. Because that's Nimrod's birthday. That's not yep. Jesus' birthday. And I've even had people tell me when I've told them about Christmas, they're like, well, just because, you know, I don't use it for evil. I use it to bring people to Christ. And I'm like, well, this is what the Bible says. Hey, it was hard for me too, but you know what? We got to do what we have to do in him. And there's, there's an area, read Jeremiah 10. People don't believe it's about Christmas. But anyways, uh, five or six, no, seven. seven. Uh, be not ye therefore partakers of them, for ye were sometimes, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So unless you're walking in goodness and righteousness and truth, you are not acceptable unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. So this is a measuring stick for us. It's not a death sentence. We know this. We just need to get these things right. Exactly. That's it. 
you know, um, 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, meaning expose, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things have, all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Now, I mean, people know the light will get you in trouble. You know, shedding light on things, people rather work in deceit. They'd rather work in darkness. You know, but the truth is, hey, this is the light. You know, what happens when people have nasty apartments? You turn on the lights, insects run everywhere. They get in the dark. Why? Because they love the darkness. Mm -hmm. uh, 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Now look at that. We're supposed to be awake. A person that's a part of this world and the traditions of things of this world, you're not even awake. Yeah. That's why you don't see it. 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, meaning walking, looking around, not as fools, but as wise. Why, why Paul? <laughs> Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Exactly. So we're supposed to be aware. Uh, 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine. Wherefore, is it in is, I mean, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I try and do this every morning. Um, you know, like Chantel, you said you read psalms or whatever. I've memorized many of the psalms that I love, and it's like, you know what, in the morning, I quote them to start my day, mm -hmm. like trying to have a little of the spirit in me, you know, as we start off. So what so. Chantel is doing is great, is going into Psalms yeah. in the morning and reading the Bible at night. That's yeah. that's a great way to prepare for your day. Uh, 20. Giving thanks, also, giving thanks always for all things uh, unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another uh, in the fear of God. That's right. Fear of God. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps you straight. Uh, wives, submit yourself unto your husbands as unto the, uh, the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything, not in some things, in everything. And 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You see the allegory? So it's not a thing of a man being bigger than the woman. Actually, if you're a man, you'd rather be a woman. Why? Because the service is going towards you. Love and protect her. Treat her like, like Christ treats the body. So if you're the man, he's saying like, hey, protect your wives, look after her. You know, he's telling the wife, submit to her husband. So you got to look after the church like, like I look after the wife. But the wife, submit yourself to your husband as you would submit to me, unto Christ. Yeah, go ahead. I just got a question so there's no confusion. You said a man would rather be a woman? What I'm saying is, and I'm glad you brought that up. What I'm saying is, is that the job for the man is somewhat harder. 
You know, where women will look at, oh, men got all oh, this. No, there's saying. more responsibility on your shoulders okay. because you had this family. Okay, if it's not right, it's your fault. Right. It's not hers. You get what I'm saying? I do now. Yeah, right. that, that brings right. the woman has the lesser of the two responsibilities than the man does. Right. Okay. But I mean, and I'm not saying her job isn't hard. She's not homemaker. She does things. Exactly. You know, she's a reflection of the man. Mm-hmm. But Christ is using two allegories here as one, the church mm-hmm. that he takes care of, and two, the wife submitting to God is how she should be towards her husband. Right. Okay. Yeah. But you, you see this in a lot of the churches that are say they're more fundamental, mm-hmm. where they take this out of context. Oh, yeah. Especially to the women. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see so much mm-hmm. where, you know, where they use this as the abuse and all of that. Yeah, well, that's why Jesus says, or Paul says here, love your wives, mm-hmm. you know, as Christ loves the church. Christ doesn't abuse the church. No. So they're out of order, mm-hmm. you know, and the greater damnation will fall on the man. Why? Remember, they said Adam wasn't deceived. You know, first Adam, then Eve. Eve was deceived. Exactly. When Adam sinned is when death entered into the world. Not when Eve sinned. Mm-hmm. Eve didn't have the dominion. So the responsibility of the world, including his wife, was Adam's. Exactly. And he failed on both accounts. Not only did he not protect his wife, and she ended up going somewhere, you know, and doing her thing. And I'm not accusing him of that. Right. She made a choice, but the Bible does say, it doesn't say he wasn't there mm-hmm. or anywhere around. He spoke to Eve and Adam watched. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the dominion was thrown backwards to Eve, which pretty much handed it over to Satan. God didn't give Eve dominion. Right. He gave Adam dominion. So once Eve had it, Satan said, well, thank you. I'll take that. That'll be mine. You know, and that's when death entered into the world. Okay. So we're all clear on that. No yeah. Jezebel spirits floating around <laughs> Uh, let's see. 26. Okay, 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Now, what does that mean? we got to hit this real quick. Then we'll go, uh, let's see. Let's go to uh, John 4, and let's go to John 7, and then we'll get back to this. Washing of the water by the word. I'm just going to tackle that real quick. John 4, we'll go to verse 10. Go there first. All right, John 4, verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest, if thou knewest the gifts of God and who it is that saith uh, to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee uh, water, living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, carnal-minded, mm-hmm. and the well is deep. Uh, water whence uh, then hast thou that living water? <laughs> uh, Twelve, art thou greater than our father uh, Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children and his cattle. Now see the Greek mind, you know, Jew mind, right back to tradition. 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, 
for whosoever drinketh of the water that I that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him uh, shall be in him a, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So this is what the word does. You know that the word is Jesus Christ, you know, but he's also, um, you know, he's the living water. All right, we'll go to uh, John 7 real quick. Uh, John 7 and verse 38. Seven verse uh, 37. In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scriptures uh, have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So what what will you be full of? The spirit and the word. You know, that's what uh, that, that's what brings the cleansing and the transformation. Back right. to Ephesians. That's why he said the washing of the water by the word. Uh, 28 or 27. 27. Okay. Uh, 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Now notice, right after he said washing of the water by the word, the next thing is no spot or blemish. Why? Because the instructions are here. Mm -hmm. The washing of the water by the word. Mm -hmm. Only the word can wash it clean. Exactly. And the spirit of the Lord. Okay. Um, himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, uh, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Of course, you're not going to hate your body, like Paul says in 29. For no man even uh, ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of the body of his flesh and of his bones. So that means we should be like him. Mm -hmm. For this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is the great. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife even as himself, and the and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So, interesting thing here is he's talking about the clinging of a wife and a husband. You know how they a woman and man will leave their mother and father. And cling to um, each other. Mm -hmm. That's the same way that we're supposed to cling to the Lord. Jesus said that what? If you deny me before men, or he that loveth his son or his daughter more than me, is not worthy of me, or husband and wife. Right. So this is telling you how we're supposed to cling to the Lord. All right, final chapter, and we'll be done with this. Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents. Now look at how he went straight from that into this. Now, remember, the, the verses were added later, the chapters. Mm -hmm. The Bible just used to be a scroll. Right. So it was like constant reading. All right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy mother, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, we're not going to go there because we don't have time, but, you know, it says that thou may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, you know, that's talking about Exodus 20. That is the first promise of the Ten Commandments. 
you know, or first good promise uh, four. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. This is where I agree with Laura. You know, that's in our Bible study. Um, Laura said that you know other translations of the Bible they'll translate verse five as servants being slaves. Mm -hmm. They don't use the word servant. Now, this just means master and servant as if they're speaking of, you know, um, bosses and employees. Treat them right. You know, they're working for you. Treat them right. right. But see, they've got the master and slave thing because, remember, those other Bible versions, they're New World Order Bible versions. Yeah. And see, this is why if you don't know the word for yourself, in the end times, you're going to find a lot of these government will say, well, this, hey, your Lord said this, slave, so get to it. Yeah. You know, and you see, that would be the problem. Exactly. So we got to know this word for ourselves. Uh, let's see, uh, six. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. You see, so again, it's love that's guiding it. It's overlooking just standing there and doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's also overlooking pleasing men. Right? You're not doing this to please man. The gospel can be rough, but those who receive it, it's a it's a gift. It's a blessing. Mm -hmm. uh, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Verse 7, with good, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You know, again, you can't please men, you please the Lord. Verse 8, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall be received of the Lord. Oh, he shall receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. We talked about this. This is why you can give a homeless person your last $3, because the Lord will give you. That's what it's about. It overcomes what? Passes knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, our knowledge. Uh, nine. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons in, with him. That's right. So employers are supposed to be taking care of employees. Why? You have a master above you. Exactly. You want him to treat you right? You treat your employees right. Now, this is clear proof that this is Satan's kingdom. Because this ain't what's going on. No. It's <laughs> in, in the world. Right. Uh, no respect of persons. Means that they're homeless or if they could be, if they fell from heaven. They're all the same in God's eyes. There's no, you know, favoritism. Right. Ten. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. May be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That means without it, you can't. Mm -hmm. If there's a cheek in your armor, you're going to be found out. Okay. Uh, Twelve. But we wrestled not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We went over that, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. These are ranks of angels that hold rank over what? Us and the world. Okay? The world system, Satan's system, is made up of this. He structured his system just like the Lord's. Where did he get it? From the Lord. He's a copycat. All right? Thirteen. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. So this is what's going to get you through. Therefore, having your, gird, your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, uh, and your feet shod with the preparation in the gospel of peace, loins girt up with truth. Remember how Paul told Timothy, if you look into the world and the world sees you, the world should see you just like the body of Christ sees you. Okay, there, there can be no accusations against you because you have a sound reputation. You know, when you are with truth, no one can say that you're teaching an error. Right. You're backed by scripture. So the devil can't attack you there. If we live in truth, we can't be drawn into lust and other things that have brought down many pastors, you know, and women of God. Yeah. Okay. Um, the breastplate of righteousness. I mean, that's, hey, I've done no wrong to anybody here. You know, this is something that we could stand in. Mm -hmm. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, interesting point here. Again, it's about what the Lord calls you to do. This is what the Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs are about. The gospel of peace. The word of God. Yep. Above all, taking on the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. This goes back to Ephesians again, where it talked about being blown around by every wind of doctrine. So the fiery darts cannot just be, they can be one. Um, the fiery darts can be thoughts, but they can also be false doctrine. It can also be things that the enemy will try and take you from the truth. So the shield of faith is most important. Why? Because it keeps you under God. It keeps you believing in the truth. All right, uh, 17. And take the helmet of salvation. Well, that means, you know, no one's going to convince you you're not saved. When you know you're saved in the Lord, then there's your salvation. Uh, and, uh, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know, so that tells you there, got to know this word. Exactly. Praying always uh, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perse uh, perseverance uh, and uh, supplication, for all saints. Quick point, and then we'll end it. Let's go to Isaiah 59 real quick. I looked at this this morning. This blew me away. Isaiah 59, and we'll start in verse 16. Uh, 15. Uh, yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and was displeased, I mean, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw there, I mean, that there was no man, and wondered uh, that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness it sustained him. Now look at what, you know, sustained the man. 17, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance uh, for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. So this is the Lord here wearing the armor long before Paul. Right. Isaiah spoke of this. Now some people would say, you're only wearing half the armor. You only got the breastplate and the shield. Now let's, let's look at this again. Uh, 
Let's see. Uh, wherefore? Okay, uh, verse fourteen. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. What did Jesus say in John fourteen six? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So He is truth. Yeah. So that part is covered, and with the breastplate of righteousness, He is righteous. He never sinned. Okay, so He's wearing that. Well, He put this on. Then it says, and your feet shod with the preparation and the gospel of peace. He is the gospels. All of the gospels are about Christ. Mm -hmm. So you see, he was already wearing that. He is the word. Exactly. And then it says, above all, taking on the shield of faith. He is the author and finisher of our faith. No need to wear that. And then the sword of the spirit, he's the word of God. Yeah, plain and simple. So all he needed was the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. Technically, he didn't even need that because he is our salvation, mm -hmm. but he has the breastplate. But look at how he's even full of it, telling us that we need to be. That's what's and, most and important. Quick question with yeah. that is, could those, could, those, could those two things be because he came down here in our fleshly nature? And he Absolutely. He didn't need it in heaven. No. You know, but yeah, Isaiah was talking about us having it. Absolutely. That is why. All right, 19. And uh, well, we're back at um, Ephesians six nineteen, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, and I may uh, open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Now we all know what the mystery of the gospel is. We went over it twenty, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Why? He's wearing this armor. Exactly. When you're wearing that armor, you can speak truth. 21, but that ye also may know uh, my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, uh, Tychicus, Tychicus, uh, a beloved brother, he was a friend of Paul, and faithful minister in the Lord shall make known to you all these. You know, Paul put him in, a, in Ephesus and told him to stay there and minister. So this is what they mean by he's going to bring forth truth. Paul was in prison at this time. Um a Lord shall make known to you all things. Uh, let's see, 22. Whom I have sent uh, unto you for the same purpose that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be with, I mean, peace be to the brethren uh, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all, all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ, in sincerity, amen. It's like you get a little tongue-tied with this. <laughs> with that. So that's pretty much the study, but, you know, the Lord, I'll say it when we're off the air concerning this, but um, it's just one of those things where this is our spiritual war. This is what we have to do, mortify our members, do all things in Christ, you know. That's why he's the ultimate finisher. He's the chief cornerstone. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to wear this armor. That's what the battle is about. Being sanctified. So no one has anything to add. We can actually pray out be done with the study. Everybody good? Yeah. All right, Sarah, good. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight. And again, I want to thank you for another day that you have given to us, another day not promised to us. Lord, I want to thank you for another opportunity that you have given to us to come and to study your word, Lord, to seek your truths, Lord, to learn about you more, 
and more because of the time that you have given us. <clears throat> and I want to thank you for all the things that you have done for us within this ministry, Lord. And I believe that you want to bless this ministry, but you need willing vessels. Lord, you need to know where our faith stands in you. Lord, you want us to go out and you want us to teach and to take these other things you want us you want us to take these things to others lord and i pray that you would make it so in our lives that we take this walk with you more seriously lord that you help us to understand what we need to do concerning your will lord concerning your truths concerning how you want to bless our lives lord and i pray that you help us that we be given into more prayer and fasting lord that whatever things that we have placed in front of you whatever idols Lord, that there may be, whatever those idols are, whether they be television, whether they be certain kinds of music, Lord, whatever they be people, Lord, or traditions or religion, Lord, whatever idols they may be, that they be taken down and moved out of the way, Lord, so we can have a real relationship with you. Lord, I ask and pray today that you would be with the ministry, that you be with those who come on Tuesday, on Sunday, Lord, that you be with us all, Lord, that you would give us a better understanding of what we need to do to go out and to talk to others, Lord, to bring them into the body of Christ. Lord, this is no time to be playing games with you because we are living in the end times, Lord, the beginning of the end times, as your word says. It is so very evident what's going on around us. And Lord, we need to be strong in you. We need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would show us what our calling in is in this ministry lord what we can do lord so you can use us and you can guide us and direct us lord and i pray that you also be with the upcoming conference lord that you would bless that as well i pray that all who have been invited will come lord we're going to go forward anyways no matter what lord because it is time that your truth be getting out there and i pray that you use us lord that we can do that that we will study your word more, that we will draw closer to you, to have a relationship with you, Lord, that we be given into more prayer and fasting to kill off the flesh so you can work in us, Lord, so we can hear your voice, we can have a, a, so you can commune with us, Lord, so we can know who you want us to talk to, where you want us to go. Lord, and I pray that you be with Derek as well, and Chantel, and Martin and Laura, and Eric and Holly, and little Eric and Mikkel, and Jay, and even Andrew, Lord, in his situation, that you would touch him. And Sue and her husband and Dick and Marge and all others, Lord, even those who have gone a different direction, those who are no longer following you, that you be with them in their lives, Lord, that you help them to understand that they need to get their lives right with you before it's too late. Lord, be with our families and everything that they are going through and dealing with, if they are bound by religion, that you bring them away from that into a relationship with you. Lord, be with those that need your hands of healing upon their lives today, like my friend Susan and everything that she's dealing with, Lord. Help her to understand that she needs to have a relationship with you and all others, Lord, today. Even be with Brian, Lord, and everything that he's going through, and Jessica, that you touch their lives, that you build them up. Lord, I thank you again for all the things that you've done for us. But Lord, help us to understand the spiritual warfare that's going on around us and how we need to take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy, as your word says. Lord, I pray that we be filled with your Holy Spirit, that we forsake the things of this world, that we be unplugged from this life, Lord, that we not be concerned with the affairs of this life. 
Lord, that we are willing to be separated, sanctified, purified, separated out, Lord. That we not worry for anything, that we know that you're going to take care of our every need. Watch over us this evening, I pray. Guide us and direct us. Lead us into your truth. Lead us into all truths. Place your shield of protection around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.